The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Good morning, this is Truth Time, and I am Pastor Monty, and we are continuing our study uh, this week in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, in the Christ Factor. We have been looking at the first couple books of the of the or a couple uh, chapters of the book of Genesis, and particularly looking at the issue of the fall. Last week we, or the week before last, we ended our our discussion with with uh, from a biblical perspective, understanding what happened in regard to the condition of man, and this is important for several reasons because. Um, first of all, it addresses one of the three questions that everybody has to wrestle with in one form or another. Where did I come from? And in, in the, what is recorded for us in Scripture, we gain an understanding of the condition of man, um, and, and which answers a lot of questions about why it is that people act the way that they do. And so um, here we see that that uh, God had instructed his perfect creation, Adam and Eve. He had created Adam, and then he had created Eve, taken the rib from Adam, and created a woman, a helpmeet uh, for Adam, so that he could uh, go through life uh, with a helpmeet. He had given uh, Adam a job where he was the caretaker of the garden, but he did have a stipulation, and his stipulation was was that they could partake of any of the fruit in the garden except for the tree that sat in the middle of the garden. That tree was the tree of uh, knowledge. Of good and evil. Uh, of good and evil. And, and uh, so when they... Uh, so the serpent um, 
had been had been uh, it, its form had been appropriated by Satan, and he challenged the woman that that's not exactly what God said. Uh, that uh, if they should take of the fruit of that tree, that they would die, and um, and and so she she pondered what it is that he had to say and decided to follow after that. She took the fruit, she ate of it, and then she gave it to Adam and he ate of it. At the moment that Adam ate of the fruit, uh, they became aware of their situation. This is what we call the fall, right. where, where um, Adam took the fruit and we ended our discussion last week with, with just a, a brief nuance that if, if uh, Adam had, had not taken the fruit from Eve and eaten it, then uh, the condition of man would not have been uh, affected because the, it's, it's important from a biblical um, understanding to, to see that God's design is that uh, what happens in, the, uh, in regard to the condition of man um, happens through his prime creation, man, and that and and woman uh, is resp- Okay, so here let let me let me put it to you this way. Okay. What what because otherwise it'll get confusing. Um, when we look at the creation, when God presents to us a crea- the, the creation story inside of Scripture, He presents to us an understanding that. Uh, God is about order and about design. So when we look at the first, when we look at uh, how the earth was created, uh, regardless of the nuances of did it happen a particular way, how many days did it happen, etc., etc., what we see from the creation story is that uh, God took that which was chaotic and he made it. He designed it, and and uh, it was and what he designed, uh, he designed with order. So the moon and the stars, the, the 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 it can be counted on that the moon and the stars act a particular way. Yeah, it can be counted on that the Earth turns on its axis. It can be counted on that the Earth is affected by the sun in a certain way because of how it's, uh, its interplay with the moon. There are lots of different things that can be counted on. When we, look at the, when we look at nature and we look at how things flow, we know that there's design to that because God uh, is a God of order and not a God of chaos. Even if we don't understand some of the things that we see happening, when we discover that they are there, we then gain a better understanding of the world around us. It doesn't mean that they didn't exist before we came to the realization. It just means that we didn't know. For it, let me let me give you an example. An example of that would be the jet stream. Y'all, most of you are pretty familiar with the J. If you understand meteorology and you understand weather, then you understand particularly with the Northwest. But it goes clear around the uh, the circumference of the Earth. Uh, there is what's called a jet stream, and the jet stream is a high altitude stream of air, which which uh, which uh, forces the the cl- the weather and the clouds to 
to uh, go around the world. And that affects the type of weather that we have. So before the 1940s, we didn't know that the jet stream existed. And it wasn't until World War II that we began to understand that when we had airline pilots, uh, military pilots actually, military pilots flying, um, try, trying to get over uh, to Japan and, and in that area, and their, their, their uh, you know, th their speed uh, reading on their console told them that they were, you know, going pretty, pretty good clip, but the radar uh, people who were tracking them said, "You're you're standing still. You're not going anywhere." Oh, interesting. And come to find out that they're going they, the wrong direction. Well, they discovered that they were they were hitting such a headwind in this jet stream that it, uh, you know, that they were making progress. Uh, another, and so the Japanese used this. A, a so you're saying this was there before, like, the point that you're making is this is there before, and we didn't know it was there. That's right. The jet stream has always been there. The Japanese, when they began to experiment with the jet stream, they used it in order to try to send uh, bombs attached to balloons uh, to um, over to the the mainland makes sense to me, and they weren't really successful with that. There were only two bombs, I think, that actually made it all the way over, um, and they landed in uh, the Tillamook area. Hmm. Um, so, but they would take balloons and they would fill them and up and and have them ascend into the jet stream, and then hope that the jet stream would carry them over to the mainland. So, our our weather as we know it today is affected by the jet stream, and my point is that's part of God's design. So, when we see all of creation and we begin to look at whatever nuance of creation you want to look at, um, we see that God doesn't operate by happenstance, but he took that which is chaotic, and he added order to it. So can I get a matter of clarification for sure. you? Sure. Because earlier you had said specifically that man, uh, speaking of the male species of the, of the male, you know... I'm about to get there. ...definition is the is the, um, what's it called? That, ma that man is the definition of God's prime creation, and you were speaking specifically about males. Yes. So, uh, like, what's your thought process on that? Well, when God created man, God created man first. He created man with design and purpose. Even when before, even when he placed him in the garden to name all of the animals that he had created, um, and to bring those before him, um, Adam saw that he wasn't complete, and so because he came to that realization, God gave him a helpmeet, which was Eve, taken from his rib. But Adam is the firstborn of creation. And so, every, and so what Adam does or doesn't do affects the rest of creation. Right, he's the federal head. Yes. But but are, is but are you saying that he's that women are not prime creation? Women are a part of a part of the creation of man. Okay. We'll become more succinct in a couple of minutes. 
Okay, I just yeah. Okay, the sure. Point, uh, for for those of you who are it's out a pretty there, controversial subject. Yeah, so that's why for I, I those of get you that are out there that write me cards and letters, don't write me cards and letters. Hey, John me. John Parker on a different note wants to say that uh, there is one of those balloon bombs in uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not over in Tillamook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, about to the writing cards and letters. Go ahead. Yeah, don't don't write me cards and letters and say uh, and tell me that I'm saying you know I'm I'm uh, misogynistic or I'm against women or anything like that. That's not the case. I'm simply saying that God puts out forth in the Scripture an understanding of His design and purpose, and His design and purpose now getting into how men and women are to interact with each other um, is that God created man. And that man was responsible in a stewardship fashion towards all of creation. And when, he, when man found that he was lacking of a companion, God created women. And the purpose of the woman being created was to be a helpmeet for man. Would you say that God's intent was always to create women? I only know what God reveals, and he didn't tell me what his intent was. See, I think that it was God's intent. Okay. Just specifically from man being created in the, in the image of God, and the image of God is triune in nature, at least as he reveals it, right? And so and within himself... And the aspect himself, of relationship being yeah. so important. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I, and, and so like it's, it's really interesting to note that man is... That creation is good, mm -hmm. but man is alone. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? Like in, in a perfect world, God created man who is good, but he's alone and he recognizes that it's not good for man to be alone. So without sin, there's a recognition that it's right. not, that there's something that's not good. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that it's out of line to extrapolate then that, that, um, that his intent then was to create woman, but that he he wanted Adam man to, be to able realize to be aware yeah. that he was lacking in this area, and and uh, that he would then appreciate what God was about to do for him in creating the woman from his rib. Well, and I think that's a justified position. I it, it is the position that I hold. I think it's a justified position from a very specific verse, and I'll find it for I'll post it, but that literally says, uh, so it's the two creation narrative. Mm -hmm. So you've got the one creation narrative that speaks about the specifics. Right. And then you've got the, the other creation narrative, both in Genesis, um, that basically says that God created man and woman in his image. Right. So it's not, so woman is not dim, uh, diminished in her um, holding the image of God. And it's the fact that we're made in the image of God that makes mankind prime in creation. Yes, and I stated that earlier just in a different fashion. Okay, I just so want to I, be clear because I, I, I think I think if I one was I would, I would uh, before the cards and letters things I said I you know. Yeah, I, so let's I be clear, clear, let's be clear whatever you got from what Pastor Monty said earlier, he is not saying that women are not part of the prime creation. They're just they're part of the prime creation. Right. Right. And so women are part of the prime creation, they're made in the image of God. And have just as much value as men. Yes, yes. So, but and they do have, and the point that he's making is they do have different function. In some, in yeah, in some ways you might be able. Yes, we'll go with the function aspect of it, because in some ways you might be able to say that they have a 
greater, more treasured value in regard to the relationship that man has with uh, the rest of God's creation. Lucy Brown points out that only when man found that all animals have mates did man not find anything suitable for him. Yes, yes, that's correct, Lucy, and we, we discussed that several weeks ago. Okay, so my so let's so let's get back on point then uh, in regard to these nuances. So the point is is that God created the world out of chaos. He gave it. He created it with design and purpose, and he created man, mankind, men and women. He created mankind with design and purpose so that there is order in how it is that things were structured. And what we're going to find from this point forward as we begin to look at Scripture is that the action that was taken in regard to taking the fruit, and notice I say the fruit and not the apple. We right. don't know what it was. We don't know. You know. Right. Could have been a pomegranate, could have been a peach, we, we don't know. Um, they took the fruit, and when Adam took the fruit that Eve offered him and ate of it, then they knew that they were naked and they hid. What do you think the significance of that is philosophically? Well, the, the significance of that is, and I'm going to extrapolate this when we begin to look at the relationship between men and women, but the, the, the significance of that is that the weight of responsibility falls then upon the man in God's design in creation. So that to, stra to extrapolate that, we'll talk about it more in depth a little bit later, but, but it was God's design that the family unit um, is patriarchal. Now, I know that's controversy to a lot of people, but it's patriarchal, meaning that God's design is that, is that man is responsible for, for the, the family unit which develops out of his relationship with the woman that God created for him to be a helpmate. Do you think one could argue that that's a failed design? It's not a failed design. I mean, do you think one could argue that it's a failed design? No. Based on the fact that man screwed it up? Uh, no. No, because now you're, now you're getting into a, the, a theological issue of... Uh, uh, free will and the exercise of free will in regard to um, God's creation. Remember that we were created in the image of God and, and our ability to be able to choose whom it is we will serve um, differentiates man from, from all of the rest of creation. Sure. Uh, that if, if you want to look at one specific thing that makes man unique in regard to his creation, I know that in Star Trek they would say sentience, but I, I, that's why they consider data to be human. But I wouldn't go with that. I would say that the one thing that makes unique mankind is that he has the ability to choose whom he will worship. Mm. 
Maybe. I think there's a bunch of things that make man unique. Well, sure, no, sure. No, no creatures make art for the sake of art. Because we are created in God's image. Sure. And but he, is that's a an ex- that's, he is a creative God. But that's an example. There's creatures that make art, but not for the sake of art. They make art, you know, to attract a mate or things like that. Um, as far as I know, there's no animals that laugh, like that actually laugh, that display a sense of humor. Um, well, I don't know of any animals that tell jokes. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's of course, maybe only Dr. Doolittle would know that one. Okay. <laughs> I suppose that works since there was just a Dr. Doolittle movie that came mm, out. Mm-hmm, but otherwise, mm-hmm. nobody knows what you're talking about. Nah, there was just a movie that came out. So and I'm the majority not, of people still I'm, don't know because I'm, nobody watched that movie. I'm okay with that. Okay. So, no, those are interesting Which, questions. by the way, it was okay. I watched it. Okay. Those are interesting questions. I think the real, the, the, the issue, my, my point in delving into this is to understand that God has a design in regard to even um, the uh, family unit, which then he created and structured, and that his design is that man is overall the one who is responsible for this. Now, how do I come to that conclusion? Well, I want to read you something. We're not going to go through the the whole of this, but... um, there's an interesting dialogue. Well, maybe it would it it would uh, it would be good for us to just read the. Di- Here's the dialogue in chapter three, um, subsequent to them taking the fruit and becoming aware of their nakedness. So you know, God. It was it was typical for God to to uh, walk with them and to dialogue with them. Uh, in the in the evening, and when it came time for that to happen, um, there's a problem. So let's take it up at um, verse eight, chapter three. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. God called out. But the Lord called out to man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. Because I was naked? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and uh, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now I'm just going to we're going to we're just reading through this passage and there's this if I was preaching on this this is a fun passage to preach on because there are so many things you can delve, you know you can you can delve into here but we're going to continue here um, and man said the woman you put here with me. Uh, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, um, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock 
and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And then to the woman he said this, I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing, and with pain will you give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And then to Adam he said this, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, which, about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil will you eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since it, uh, it is from there that you are taken. For the dust you are, and to the dust you will return." Now, as I said, there's a lot of things you can delve off in this if I was preaching on it, but one of the things that is fascinating here is it says this. It says that um, in regard into regard to the woman, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And then he turns to Adam and he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you that you must not eat of it, these are the consequences. You see, God's order and design, as we see here in Scripture, particularly this passage, this nuances here, is that um, when the consequence of the fall, the consequence of taking that, that fruit and eating it, um, fell to all of creation because of Adam's actions. And it was, and, and even so, in the relationship that exists now between man and woman, the relationship uh, is, is broken. It is outside of God's design. And so women... What, what happened during the fall, in the spiritual sense, is that things were turned on their head. So in, uh, as God designed men in creation, we are spiritual beings first, emotional beings second, and physical beings last. We are created in the image of God, but in our makeup and how it is that we were designed, we were designed to be spiritual beings communing with the God, our Creator. And emotional beings, we we then are at, uh, we have attachment and relationship not only to our God but to our helpmate as well. Men, our helpmate. Women, your 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 husband. And then the physical aspect of it is last. When, when the creation happened, that was turned on its head, and the physical uh, became more important than the spiritual. And what we wrestle with even today is this battle that takes place between the physical and the spiritual. But what's taking place here is that we see it as God's design 
that that uh, when he created man, that there was a uh, a hierarchy, a system whereby things would work correctly as God designed them, and it was patriarchal coming through the man. We see at the fall, what happened is, is that was turned on its head. And the, the, the woman who was created to be the helpmeet to man, now is going to be in a position where she will um, have a strong desire to rule over her husband uh, because uh, she thinks that she knows more than he does. And anybody who's ever, I know, I don't want your cards and letters. Anybody who has <laughs> ever been married for any period of time understands that this is a battle that, that rages on even today. I think that it's a worthwhile, um, so I think that where that comes from is a strong resentment. And I think that, like it, like an ingrained resentment, right? Could be. And I think that that's a worthwhile thing. Like I think that there's, um, I think that that desire to point out to the man that he's not as great or as fit to be the federal head as he thinks he is, is a necessary aspect of the interplay between man and women. Um, and I think that, uh, I, I'm, when I say that, I just want to be clear. I don't know that it's always a helpful aspect. Yeah, a useful aspect, um, and there are times when where where we need to remind each other, you know, to be useful in the moment. But <clears throat> women is in the situation, as is all of creation. Mm -hmm. Women is in the situation that she is specifically because man is a bad federal head. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, so the idea of uh, you know what, Adam, you don't get to make decisions anymore. That's well, not a hard leap. To, to jump to. Mm -hmm. And when God turned to Adam, he told him that, you know, you listened to your wife rather than me. Right, right. Lucy Brown says she disagrees, but I don't know what she disagrees with. Not sure what you disagree to, Lucy Brown. I'm guessing she disagrees with what I'm saying about uh, the idea that it makes sense for a woman to be uh, resentful. Um, but here's the thing. I'm not saying that women should be resentful. I'm saying that it is a reasonable step to say that man is not a worthy federal head. And the idea that he then, that a woman has to fight against that as part of her struggle seems like a reasonable outworking of the fall. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not opposing what you're saying because I think that, as you said, I think that it's reasonable that you could extrapolate that from what you know from what's there. Yeah, I'm saying it works with the psychology. I'm not saying that man isn't the chosen federal head. He is. Man is the chosen federal head, and that's what matters. The thing is, in Scripture, you see over and over and over again that God does not bring people to do his bidding based upon their qualifications. He qualifies people based on what he wants. Right. So man is qualified because God has chosen him to be the federal head in creation. Right. And specifically in the marriage relationship. Yes. So regardless of whether man is worthy or not, uh, it doesn't really matter. But did man prove himself to be unworthy of that task? Yeah, we've spent all of our lives, every single one of us, dealing with the consequences of the prime, perfect man 
like all of us, for instance, uh, what a terrible thing, like, uh, like good Christian men by any standards, right? Uh, we're not perfect though, right? Adam, he was perfect. Right. And right. he had everything that he could ever want. And he had a relationship with God that was face to face and he had no baggage and he still, still messed has, up. Yeah, still messed up, yeah. So, yeah. like, what I'm saying is man is not a good federal head. Yeah. Not, not, by, not by a moral, not, not by the standards of a moral God, you know? Right. So, to, for, so for a woman to resent that innately and to pass that on even epigenetically, uh, sure. Like, that makes total sense to me. It doesn't change the fact that it's not helpful all the time to point that out unless the man is too puffed up. Right. You know? And, and what we're seeking to do is just to look at the scriptures and to understand from scripture how it is that we can understand who we are as, as God's creation and the effect that the fall had upon God's original design. Remember, my, my, my stipulation here is that God created the heavens and the earth and all that are in it, and it was good, including the creation of man and his helpmeet woman right. or mankind. So it was only after the fall that there began to be these issues that began to come forth. And we're going to, so we're going to stop here. We're going to pick up the conversation in a little bit uh, in, uh, in the cultural lunacy, but, because we're kind of on the same topic. But, but we're going to uh, close this passage here. And uh, and we'll pick up next week uh, what happened in regard to uh, Cain and Abel. Can I? Uh, John Parker has a he yeah. has a question. He asked, "What is epigenetics?" He said, "Epigenetically." Question: um, Epigenetics is the study of changes in organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than the alteration of the genetic code itself. <laughs> so there, basically, there what go. it means is somebody's DNA hasn't changed. That you get the. Epigenetics is the study of something being transmitted attached to the DNA as opposed to actually being the DNA. So let's say something like alcoholism. Right. DNA hasn't actually changed, but is there some difference that's passed down um, from person to person? That's what studies show. Yeah. And, um, and, and so if you then were to extrapolate that, you would... You could then theologically assert, which I would, you could then theologically assert that because of the fall, there were certain things that begin to happen in regard to uh, man's DNA. Yeah, inheritance by mechanism is how some people put it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there, there's your little biology lesson for the day. Um, yeah, when we get further into Genesis, we're going to come back and touch on that uh, when we talk about what happened uh, subsequent to the fall um, in regard to man and his days are numbered. Let's close this section and uh, uh, just have a little bit of fun with uh, what's up with that. Well, that momentary loss of uh, airtime there was certainly appropriate in, what's up with that?
Um, okay, uh, some interesting things uh, that I, you know, I, I try to find things that are uh, anomalous or that uh, are, are humus, uh, humorous, and I thought a couple of these uh, would lighten things up. Um, you know, I'm not sure how many of you uh, watch YouTube and, and watch some of the antics of people on YouTube. I mean, YouTube is kind of an interesting phenomena from the standpoint that, um, you know... <laughs> YouTube is the number one platform. A lot of people watch a different... I mean, some people, they're, they're, there's just one little girl in YouTube that all she does... She is uh, open packages. Is open packages. Are you just? You're just. You're just. Uh, I'm just extrapolating. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just. Are you just now realizing this? No. Oh no, no. Because uh, you know, I watch. I watch several. Uh, yes, you watch YouTube the programs related to RV. RVs. Yes. Right. You but found I'm, the YouTube channels of the RVers. Yeah, but I'm just saying that there are people out there that do all kinds of crazy things. All right. So, so what channel their... did you find? Well, what did you is... stumble across? <laughs> I don't know if I want to know this. This was a, th th there was a French YouTuber who wanted to uh, pull a stunt. And so he, he poured a bunch of uh, Orbiz silicon balls in his bathtub. Okay. And what happens with these silicon balls is when they, um, when water is placed with them, they uh, they react and they become larger. Okay. Well, when he so he put these silicone balls in his, in his toilet and his bathtub and sink and what anyway, and then he started to add water to it and they begin to expand like crazy and he began to say to himself, "Oh no, <laughs> this is not going right." And so instead of taking something to scoop the balls out he um pushes them down the, the drain yeah yeah he pulled the plug and they went down the drain well what are these silicone balls doing they're expanding yeah and so he caused a backup uh in his drain system that flooded the whole area wow now hopefully he has to pay for that you know what is fascinating about this? Is his, that I, his viewers probably... I tell people all the time, think before you act. Because... This... And then he tried to flush the toilet, apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, which only made it worse. I mean, yeah, so... Wow, the mayor was involved? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Well, I didn't read that far into it, but yeah. Yeah, well, there's... It, a, yeah. it caused yeah. major problems. No idea how to get rid of them, so he just pulled the plug, which resulted in Orbeez overflowing both in his toilet and sink. Then he flushed the toilet, and then his house started overflowing. And then a vacuum cleaner caught on fire while he tried to clean the mess. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for you guys out there that are trying to do Someone to suggested to use salt, which actually worked. Until then, poop started flooding into his house mm. and the neighborhood, too. Mm. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah. Okay, this sounds like a nightmare. Okay, here's... here's, here's hey, but they're non-toxic and biodegradable, well, so that's, that's wonderful, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm glad to hear and, and Good just, to go green. And just for the record, that poop's biodegradable, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, the lesson to be learned, wow. Think before you act. Okay. Um, wow. So his, some people in his comments are telling him to blame Orbeez. No. Try to blame Orbeez for damages because they don't specify not to do this on the packet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Okay. Well, hey, here's another one which caught my eye. Um, uh, kind of interesting. For those of you... For those of you who are flower lovers out there, you know I love my flowers. Right. Um, and the best flower to have is, a, is a, or plant rather to have, is a succulent. Because what I find is when we're out running around and stuff, they don't take as much watering and they're easy to maintain and what have you. Uh, it appears, and it looked like she was in Australia, I'm not sure, but it appears that this woman... Uh, who had a succulent, uh, had set up a watering program for it, actually followed this watering program for several years until she finally found a nice vase that she wanted to transplant her succulent into. Uh -huh. And when she went to transplant the succulent, she found out that it was fake. What? <laughs> 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 yeah, she had been uh, she she had been watering that baby religiously for two so years. So where was the water going? Just evaporating? Well, I don't know. It was in a cork container, so maybe the cork sucked it up. I don't know what. But you you don't put a lot of water on him. You just put a little bit of water. But but how? But she was really embarrassed. Did she buy it, or was it given to her? Uh, or it, it doesn't go into details of how she got it, but she, it faked her out for two years hmm. and when she put the information on uh and so when she told on herself and she put this information on uh on facebook sure some of her friends said you know that's not so far-fetched i've uh, you know the some of her friends admitted that they had had the same thing happen to them hmm. that they had gotten a present or they had gotten something and they you know only found out months later that it was <laughs> it was fake. <laughs> hmm. So for for you for for you plant lovers out there, I recommend that you check to see that the, it has roots before you start watering. Program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is really weird. That's great. Well, hey, in uh, in in Toronto. Uh, which is in Canada. In, in Toronto, evidently, the McDonald's in Toronto uh, serve bagels. Okay. With cream cheese. And so this guy wanted to have his bagel with cream cheese. And so his experience with McDonald's is that they were a little stingy with the cream cheese. Okay, yes. So, you, know, you got to have all the cream cheese. Right. You so, got to have enough cream cheese to fill the hole. Well, at least to give it some flavor. No, but no, that's to why fill the hole. But, well, that's why, that's why you're buying it. Right. Well, okay, so what happened was, so he said to the person there, you know, I'd like a little extra cream cheese on right. my bagel. Right. The bagel he received was stuffed full of cream cheese. I love that. So he it was so 
overstuffed with cream cheese <laughs> that he couldn't even wrap. It, it, it appears that the that the uh, McDonald's worker, of this. Yeah, you, you have oh, to appreciate man. it to see the picture, but there's the. It appears that the McDonald's worker was going through a little passive aggressive <laughs> <laughs> issue, and uh, he, he just Let's see if I can get that picture to show up in the feed. Slap that cream cheese <laughs> yeah. all over that bagel. Oh, so yeah. this. Okay, yeah, so you can kind of see it in the feed. But this, <laughs> the amount of cream cheese in this thing is more than the size of the of the two bagel slices put together. Oh, <laughs> uh, I used to do that at the theater when people would ask for extra extra butter cuz oh, you know, yeah, I yeah. like extra butter on my popcorn. You just but people would ask, <laughs> people would ask for extra extra butter. What I would do is I'd take a popcorn tub and then I would and I put I'd take a popcorn tub and then I would fill the bottom of the popcorn tub with, you know, probably probably, you know, a couple inches of fake butter and then start putting popcorn in it. And then I would put double <laughs> double the amount of butter on top of it, and then I would fill up a glass, uh, like a little like oh. sixteen ounce cup of butter, and then in front of them I would just drop it onto the <laughs> onto the thing. Oh, oh man! Wow! It was always fun for me. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> Those people, they, they loved did it. Did they love it? Yeah, really? They loved it. And of course, it's the same people who order a giant, large diet soda. <laughs> Can I have a large popcorn with everything unhealthy on it and diet soda, please? Right. Ridiculous. Well, we got to keep things in balance. That's right. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One definitely X's out the other. Mm, wow. Okay. So, you know. Uh, what do we take away from this? Well, not a stuffed bagel for sure, but... <laughs> but, but That's you, what I'm talking about, though. That's when, service right there. When you ask for something <laughs> to be a little extra... Be, <laughs> I'm just looking at this picture. Whenever we they go... They show even more of the picture of you, like, click on the link. There's even more of it, and it's just... <laughs> When, when we go when we go out to uh, eat, Lucy Brown calls it shameful. <laughs> <laughs> when we go out to eat and I'm not happy with something, you know, my <laughs> wife just cautions me: be careful, don't don't, don't say anything. You don't know what's going to happen. Oh uh, wow! You don't yeah. mess with people who are messing with your food. <laughs> well, that's that's, there's, that's there's some truth. Yeah, there's some truth in that. <laughs> All right. Wow. Let's let's move on to cultural lunacy. Okay. Get some sanity back in our. <laughs> so what we've been talking about, uh, which is kind of related to where we're at in Genesis, in cultural lunacy, lunacy has to be. <laughs> <laughs> has to be with the lunacy that we see going on with uh, the sexes. And just just in and of in and of itself the relationship that men and women have uh with each other can be um difficult. And partially because of what we've been talking about um in regard to to creation. Um, throw into that the the uh, the difficulty that we're having in our culture 
with, uh, you know, with various types of definitions of sexual expression. I mean, I, my wife and I are just shocked. Yeah, I guess shocks are good. I mean, I shouldn't be shocked, but I'm annoyed, really. Um, but uh, most of the programs that, that we watch, like we watch several uh, programs like NCIS and <laughs> yes. various All other the old-person CBS shows. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, they're inundating us with these programs with all kinds of... Uh, you know, all kinds of uh, homosexual relationships and and uh, transvestite things going on and and do you mean transgender? Uh, well, transgender going on, and some people are transvestites. You know, they they uh, they dress up like women, and I feel like it's not cool to be transvestite anymore without being transgendered. You know, Darcel would disagree with you. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think the Darcel, and I, I can't speak to this, but I'm pretty sure that Darcel is out. No, they still. I mean, she'll. They still have a club downtown. Mm-mm. That's not what I mean. I mean, Darcel is part of the LGBTQ community and not just dressing up like a woman. Okay. Well, we digress. Well, the point is, is that there's just all kinds of craziness going on nowadays. That being said, what did we talk about earlier in regard to Genesis that God created with design and purpose? God created with design and purpose. So if you're going to come to me, Pastor Monty, or you're going to come to Josh, Pastor Josh, and you're going to say to us, you know, we would like you to do the honor of marrying us. I'm good with that. But I don't know how many hours your counseling is, Josh, but I'm at about 25 hours. Well, I was at 12 sessions, and they usually take longer than an hour. Right, but two, hour, two hours, and yeah, two I'm hours. I'm in the process of re- revising that. Revising my uh, marriage counseling. I want to be more directive and less instructive. Okay. Anyway, that's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but the point is, is that we're going to take you back to Scripture, and we're going to show you some of what we just talked about earlier, looking in Genesis, of what, what that the marriage relationship is supposed to be this design that, that God designed um, so that it functions the way that it's supposed to. So that the man is the federal head of the family unit, and that the family unit is patriarchal in nature, that the man is responsible for keeping the family unit on track and in its relationship to how it is that life is lived and particularly the relationship uh, that exists um, with God's involvement. We normally think of the relationship between a husband and wife as uh, being uh, what would it, would binary or, or just two people. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's the way that the world sees it and puts it out there. That, you know, the, the relationship uh, between a husband and wife just involves those two individuals. But what we know from Scripture now is that the the relationship that exists between a husband and wife is triune in nature. 
Why? Because we were created by a triune God. And, and so the triune aspect of it is that when a husband and wife uh, are married and they then physically join, and they physically join together, that joining together is not just that they're having uh, sexual relations between the two of them, but that, they're, that, but that they are to also be in relationship with God who is their creator. And so the, you actually have the third person of the creator God involved in that relationship. And it is the man's responsibility to, to uh, make sure that that relationship keeps on track. And we go back to what Josh was saying earlier, where man is a bad, is a bad federal head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of the time, uh, at least in the counseling that I've done over the past, I don't know, 35, 40 years, with uh, with married couples, most of the time, the reason why married couples are having difficulty is because the man is lazy and not doing his job. Yep, that's that's what I find. It's definitely, you know, a prime factor and not just a mitigating factor. Yeah. Yeah. So so in the couple minutes that we have, and left, that's what scripture basically teaches. That's what too. scripture teaches. Yeah. That's right. So we're. We're approaching this not from a philosophical or a psychological standpoint, but we're going back to Scripture, and we want to show you that what Scripture says is that this is God's design. Remember, God designed with purpose. God designed things to be carried out within a specific order, and this is his order for his prime creation, mankind, as to how it is that we're to interact with each other as we interact with God himself. So this is this is very 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 basic. And it's it's uh, so the relationship that exists. So if you understand that, if you understand that that's uh, what uh, what scripture has to say, then that's going to require you to do a few things. And we've already talked about this before, I, you know, I'll allude to it uh, just once again, but um, there are a couple things that you're going to be looked at. First of all, um, the basic design, if we, if we understand this is God's design, then we understand that, that um, my relationship with another individual, male or female, so in this case I'm going to talk from the man's perspective because uh, I'm man. Okay. But, but if but if you're if you're a woman, then you can extrapolate what I have to say to apply to you as well. I've already alluded to this before. If I understand that God created me with design and purpose, and He created me, listen, ninety nine point nine percent of men and women uh, uh, are meant to be coupled with another person. Yes, there are instances in Scripture where uh, people are either born eunuchs or are set apart as eunuchs so that they, they don't interact sexually with, with uh, the, the uh, opposite sex. But most people are designed uh, to be coupled with another person. That being said, 
if that's the case, if I know that God created me and he created me with design and purpose, then I should not approach finding that um, person whom he created for me. Uh, I should not approach that in as a uh, happenstance kind of matter. Yeah. But I should take it seriously. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I agree. And that means that I should be, number one, uh, doing everything that I can uh, as an individual to prepare myself to be the man that I need to be. So I, I agree with the concept. I think I stated a couple episodes ago that I am not a big fan of the idea of soulmates. I don't really believe in it. So I don't, I don't personally believe that God... I don't think scripture states anything about soulmates and that God has set aside one single person for you. Um, I, in the sense that God has like a, absolutely in the sense that God has a complete narrative in mind and he knows who's going to end up with each other and so on and so forth. But in the sense of like, um, I don't know, star-crossed lovers or whatever, like, you know, there's this one person who was, who who they're half the puzzle and you're half the puzzle and you, you fit into them perfectly. I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think that there's a spectrum of, um, a spectrum of connection ability that can even be serviced by perfecting yourself in God. So, you know, a person, so maybe you don't have immediate what they call chemistry right. or compatibility, but through the work of the spirit in your life, you can be compatible with anybody. Right, and we, we had kind of a discussion about that, and I didn't disagree with you at that point, and I don't disagree now, to the extent that what we're really talking about, uh, and again, this is a philosophical issue, what sure. we're really talking and it's about... Just, and it's just my position. I, yeah. What we're really talking about is, uh, is parameters, yeah, and more than see one of the the difficulties within the framework of Christianity is that many Christians have come to uh, to view or hold positions uh, as if they're either caged in or they're black and white. Sure, and I had I have come to not see things that way. I think that God provides parameters where he states a black and white. That's definitely black and white. So Lucy Brown is, I think this is a question, but I'm not sure. She says, emotional adultery, exclamation point, no way, exclamation point. It's still adultery. Uh, not, we'll get there. But I'm not, I'm not sure where the, I think that's an accusation that, 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 what's, that what I'm saying is amounts to saying that people can have emotional well we'll affairs? we'll 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 clarify that what what yeah i think that what she's saying is that she's extrapolating to say that it's possible that somebody could say well um i didn't i i found somebody else out there who i connect with and we form an emotional bond even though you're already committed to somebody else that would be, uh, uh, correct us if I'm wrong, Lucy, but that, that seems to be what you're extrapolating. And my response to that, and I think Josh's would be, uh, no. 
No, that's, that's not what not I'm saying at all. That's not what's in, being said. That's not what's being said. In fact, if that is what you're concerned about in that comment, which has a lot of exclamation points, um, then I would say that actually the position of a soulmate is, which has an arbitrary standard attached to it, is actually you're a lot more in danger of committing adultery. The, the truth is, is that understanding that, uh, that there's a spectrum of emotional compatibility and then going with a choice and a skill set. So you have a choice within a spectrum of compatibility and then you have a skill set that you develop and build toward an oath that you take toward that person. Right, right. And so therefore you're sticking to the choice you're making. It makes you much more compatible for success than it does if you say that you are bound by fate. You can call fate God if you want to in this case, but you're bound by fate to a very specific person and that that's an arbitrary standard that you can't understand. You don't really know. God brings that person into your life and you know just because you know, you know? And so then my question to that person who says that is, what happens when another person comes into your life who you feel fated toward to. And because you have an arbitrary standard by which you're committed to that relationship, instead of a choice that you can be held accountable for, then you are much more likely to commit adultery than somebody who believes that it is their choice to follow through. Yeah, I, I, I think that, and, and so for clarification, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying here is that as an individual, when you are looking for a spouse... Um, you need to be praying. You need to be praying a couple things. You need to be. Uh, you need to be uh, having some self-reflection and understand from Scripture where you are on your journey as a believer towards maturity. So you need to know who you are. You need to know uh, your position in God. You need to know you know what your spiritual gift is and your gifting is. You need to know your place in the body. Those are things that introspectively you need to be aware of. Yeah. And secondly, you then need to pray for God specifically to bring the person into your life that is to be that, that in, in the case of a man to a woman, that help meet. In the case of a woman to a man, that individual whom um, God has created that you are to help uh, mature uh, as a believer. Would you not? Would you not say that the helpmate term is equal? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't. Okay, I was just asking because you made that distinction right then, so I wasn't sure why you were making that distinction. You're not saying it's not equal. No, I'm They're not. They're both helpmates. Men and women are helpmates to each other. Yes. It's different in application different because of the submission structure. Yeah, it's but. different in application. So then the extension of that would be listen, then when you find, so you've prayed for that person, you find that person, you then, um, you know, you then partner with that person and you enter into an agreement. As Josh alluded to earlier, you make an oath towards covenant. each other, a yeah. covenant that you're establishing between each other and God, the triune aspect of the marriage relationship, and, and that you're going to uh, stay together and perfect this relationship as it matures uh, until death do you part. And I'll be honest, I think that that's a much more sexy version <laughs> okay. I think it's a much more romantic version when I can say, so Michelle, that's my wife, when I can say to her, honestly, I feel like I'm compatible with lots of people, yeah. but I choose you. Oh, absolutely. I think that's much more sexy 
then yeah. then you know out of uh, you know out of all the people in the world there was only you and I chose you that's not a choice yeah and then what happens if the relationship fails well okay so the extrapolation of that understanding would be then if either my wife or I die in the process uh then is it possible that that uh, God might, obviously, if I've matured in my relationship. If you're taking the soulmate version. Well, if, I've, if, if we've matured in relationship and mm-hmm. we're closer to the Lord, then I'm not going to be the person I was yeah. when I married my, my wife. Right, right. And my, my understanding of things, my maturity, my needs are going to be different. And is it possible that God could bring another person into my life? Uh, who would then um, help me to mature further? The answer to that would be yes, that's possible. Uh, again, knowing myself, I think that my biggest need at this point in uh, in my relate because my relationship with my wife is is so firm is that if she dies and I'm left alone, I need uh, I need a babe who's rich. So uh, I think the I think the compatibility side of the equation for your maturity needs to be put into the context uh, okay so Lucy Brown just said when you take a wife you should be sure that that person is the one in Christian yeah. home the desire to entertain others for what reason personal is not to be the one you mean foretold by the matrix yeah, we're not we're not in what do we what do we mean the one tell me where you find that passage the one in scripture tell me where you find that passage in scripture anywhere tell me because it's not there that's me i that's passive aggressive perhaps it's completely aggressive it's not there the concept of the one is not there so that's also a mar- martial arts thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Eula. That's uh, Jet Li. Um, so the concept of the one is, is not there. Here's the one. The one choice that you make. The covenant choice that you make to uphold. My relationship with my wife has nothing to do with her being the one. It has to do with me having a relationship with God where I said to God, I'm choosing this person in the way that you chose me. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm a good, if, I if you want to call somebody the one, it's because you choose for that person to be the one, not because God chose that person for you. Is that part of his narrative? Yeah. But in part of our understanding of it, the choice that we have to make is toward that person. And in terms of personal growth or or whatever, like, yeah, we, we mature as people, and the only thing that makes us grow further apart is a degradation of my, my connection to the choice that I made toward my wife. And that's bound up in the commitment that is made in the covenant relationship right. that exists. Well, that's why they say and it that way, right? Exactly. That's why I, could, that's why I don't remove till death do us part. Right. Out of there, I, I, I emphasize the covenant relationship. Now, and, and it, it is interesting that you note that, though, because it's never really said, like, through, you know, death, through, you know, through all of these things, through sickness and in health. Well, on the one what, that what's I never, do, yeah. but, but what's never said is through, through um, emotional maturity. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know like that's the thing like we go through different stages in our life and i got news for you like a strong relationship is going to be okay with inputting uh infatuation it is like you are going to be infatuated with other people there's not a big deal there the question is do you understand that the relationship the one that you choose to have a relationship and and follow through with your covenant commitment toward God with is that one person. Right. Is it okay right. for right. you to have, you know, new best friends? Is it is it okay for you to take on a new hobby that your wife doesn't do or that your husband doesn't do? Is it okay for you to have different circles than your wife? Sure. You had those before. Like it makes you better and stronger if your wife or your husband uses those things toward the benefit of, of their relationship with God. And that's the thing, like with Michelle, like I have many different interests than her and she holds that door open for those interests to make me into a better person. Even if she's not the one who's applying those interests. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to pick up that aspect of this conversation. <laughs> Lucy Rogers um, said, husband of one wife, first Timothy three, two. Yes. Are you implying that, that by having strong relationships with females or males that are not your husband or wife, that, that you are having an affair? Cause then I got to ask how you reconcile what scripture says about understanding the sufferings and the joys of other believers. You know, it's possible to have a deep and meaningful and vulnerable relationship with a member of the opposite sex and not want to have sex with them. That is possible. Or be emotionally bound to them. Well, or be inappropriately emotionally bound. Yeah, yeah. They're called brothers and sisters, people. Right, right. That's a choice, it's, we, we need to get out of this 50s mindset of things that's not biblical. It's not the biblical definition. When you talk about Jesus giving kisses to his disciples, does that make him homosexual? That's what they purport. That's my point. We shouldn't purport those things too. Yeah. We should be strong enough in our relationships with each other that our covenant commitment is what drives the relationship and not our... Uh, prohibition from being in relationship with other people. Okay, well, we're going to continue this discussion because we're already way over our time. Uh, thank you for staying with us. We're going to continue this discussion next week as we explore what Scripture has to say about the, um, about the parameters on which marriage is to be functioning uh, and, uh, and hope that that will uh, that will help you in your in your growth. Do you want to give this section a little more time next week to discuss it? Because it yes. seems like we're starting to get some communication on the thread about it. So here's what I would say to you: If you disagree with my position, or you hold Pastor Monty's position, which I want to point out does not disagree with my position, it's just different than mine, or you hold, say, Lucy Brown's position, let's talk. Yeah. yeah. Bring bring it. Bring yeah. your scripture references to talk about the one. I'll bring my Matrix copy. Yeah, in fact, Lucy Brown, if you really want to be involved in this discussion, oh, yeah. come on down. That'd be a great show. Come on the show and let's talk about these things. So that'll be next Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to close out the show? Yeah, let's go ahead and close out. Okay. 
Well, uh, the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon. It's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church, local, and at large. And if you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, you can join Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity, which is uh, just around the corner, I think. Um, next week. Next week. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, our weekly uh, sermon and all of our other content. If you've enjoyed Truth Time, consider supporting us. Our network and shows are free to you, but they're not free to us. So head over to abfpdx.org and click the Donate tab. Or you can uh, just donate through, like, Cash App or Venmo. It's just ABFPDX. Um, if you're poor like us, that's all right. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can always find it on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, and Facebook, and the VRN Facebook group. Take a second to visit the group page so that you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. And remember that content is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. We'll see you then. I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF. And this has been... Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.